Well, folks, we're back. Uh, if you've been keeping uh, track here and uh, downloading all the episodes, as you should, you'll know we discussed earlier uh, we were all going turkey hunting. And it's that's crazy. Hap- that's happened. That's happened. It's like a time warp. We're here. <laughs> and who better to uh, bring you a turkey hunting episode than federal premium ammunition in their TSS load, which the three of us got to experiment with heavily. Uh some of us more than others, as you'll <laughs> probably find out. <laughs> uh oh, I haven't uh, I haven't heard about this yet. My arm is still sore. Uh oh. Um, yeah. So Clay, Clint, myself, in here, three turkey hunters, two different. No, how many states did you go to? Two, or were you just hunting in the I one? I just hunted in so Tennessee this time. Three hunters, two states, same weekend. All three tagged out successful. All three with a big old rope. Uh, two of us in the room, Clay and myself, our first turkeys. So, I've gone turkey hunting. But uh, yeah, me too. But no, I've never killed one. Never killed and one. They were both Easter turkey. Yeah, East, and yeah, East, both Clay and I killed ours on Easter. Clint got his on Saturday. Opening uh, day. Opening day. Yeah. Uh, no, opening afternoon. We didn't. We could. We couldn't get it done in the morning. So, well, I mean, we've had a roundabout discussion about this with each other. But let's have a roundabout discussion with all of you. And um, if you're in the market. For a turkey load, federal TSS, and if you pair it with a Rob Roberts 660 choke tube, it is scientifically proven you cannot miss. <laughs> Don't call me if you do. Operator error, yeah, anyway. You can miss. That combination will not miss if handled properly. I mean, I, I, I'm i hearing stories of people killing them out 60, 70, 80 yards with that combination. They even make it in 410, and people killing them at 40, 50 yards with a 410. Wow. The only difference they don't have a in a in the 410 it doesn't have a flight control wad. All the other 20 and 12 gauge have a flight control wad, but the the combination of what they're doing with that tungsten and that the heavier payload than what you get with lead is just insane knockdown power. And it, that was important for us because yeah, uh, California it. you have to have non lead, non lead, yeah, which they've gone to uh, in everything. Even your rifle ammunition has to be a different. Uh, metallurgic compound. How do you like that for big, <laughs> big brain word there? But yeah, Look so we, we, you know, we had to definitely confirm because it, they give you like several warnings when you get your license that you cannot shoot lead shot. Mm-hmm. And luckily, or whatever, by design, this stuff is made out of tungsten, which offers a, like you said, much larger payload, right? It's a denser material. 22% higher than other lead comparable shot 60 percent of all statistics are made up right there on the fly 60 <laughs> percent of the time 40 percent it works all the time right 80 percent right. no i i think i misspoke it's it's 22 percent higher than other tungstens this tss Ooh. and 40 or 56 56 percent higher than lead Damn. the density so 22 percent higher of the, this alloy that they came out with it's 22 uh percent higher density than other tungsten and 56 higher density than other uh, or of of lead so the combination what they're doing is just that's insane the tss is crazy and i've heard of you know there's guys that uh i guess we've had this conversation before it's all about what you want but there's guys you know that custom load turkey shells right i mean you, you 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 buy them from these guys and you know not our part of the country because turkey is not all that big Definitely not in Nevada. In the, in the seven turkeys we have here, right? The six, <laughs> the six now because my buddy for sure got one. No, oh, nice. but you know they so they buy these custom loads and you know you get five or ten shells and they're, uh, uh, but with something like this on the market now, I mean I don't think you need to do that anymore. I, I could be speaking out of turn, being that I just killed my first turkey two days ago, but stuff's legit. I mean, it, you, I don't know if you could. Um, what'd you just say? Do Metal, your own? Yeah, reload. Thank you. My yeah. mind just was going other you places. You were still on metallurgic. I think. Yeah, it's metallurgic. You confused me. Uh, reloading. I don't know why you would reload with how good that is right there. That's I mean, right. There's, there's certain things that you need to reload and you can get away with it and you can make it better. And Bench rest rifles and stuff like that. Right. But, but I think back in the day, there was no 
there wasn't a lot of commercial manufactured turkey loads. Even yeah. like eight years ago, you know, 10 years ago, when we started going to NWTF show, there weren't a whole lot of companies making it. Yeah. You know, that's why I think guys were well, buying I think, custom and loads with and loading the, with custom the new, stuff. With the new laws, like you're saying in California, the geniuses in engineers over there at Federal, they had to, right? There had to be another option. And with how big and, you know, puffy turkeys are, you'd probably wound more than normal because of lead. It just doesn't work very good for them. You know, they're so thick. So would, you know, go out there and wound them all and let them see them fly away? Um, Or, you know, this is obviously a little bit more expensive. You're only getting five in a box. But would you rather spend a little bit more shell for the shell and make sure that turkey dies or let it, you know, you know, you say you save your money on target loads and skeet loads and stuff like that. But if you're, you know, I same same thought with when you're going to go actually hunt. Yeah. You don't want to save money on the ammo, you know, and it comes down to still being able to put it in a good uh, shot placement yeah, you, you gotta do your job <laughs> yeah you gotta do your job you, you could still miss and wound a bird obviously mm. if it's your but if you put it on target like you're supposed to and that goes patterning and being able to control your nerves i guess yeah. if it's on your first turkey that is one thing you know that i think first time guys and even some seasoned guys we had those ones we, we had a couple uh jakes come into a spread one morning they're in there for 15, 20 minutes. And I mean, you know, it's just like a coyote. It's like if you look at them for too long and you think about it too long, you know, then your your nerves go. Yeah. It's one thing when, you know, uh, uh, something comes rushing in and you just instinctively shoot. Well, when you hear about my story, that's exactly what happened. So, yeah. <laughs> so that, no, I mean, you know, you still got to, obviously you should pattern your gun, but then you got to control your, you know, it's just like anything else. Yeah. You got to control your breathing and all that kind of stuff. I forgot to mention Chad uh, got one too. So in yeah. Georgia, well, we're four, four for uh, four yeah. in three states. He's yeah, in three Georgia? states. He got yeah. his in Georgia. He's hunting. He's been hunting with other people that have gotten more one in another uh, buddy of ours, Bobby Johnson from Nashville, met Chad in Georgia at Mossy Pond and killed one. And then Chad killed one. And then now he's been up in Tennessee with uh, the Jack Daniels boys and hunting with them. And a couple of them have gotten some. So now I think he's back to hunting after the people that he'd been with with Jack Daniels. Oh, he's going to try and get one in Tennessee. He's going to get one and mm-hmm. try to get one with Tennessee, I think, either Wednesday or Thursday with Leith and Bobby in Tennessee. So Did you guys see old Sammy Natton while you were there? No, I called him and uh, he didn't answer. Must have been turkey hunting. <laughs> you know, turkey hunting or arrowhead hunting. <laughs> and Whoa, there's not a lot to do Rocky that. Merlot, I believe he said that they were, his son and some of his friends and a couple of guys he had in, his, had in his group, I think he said they had four or five turkeys. So yeah, I saw the pictures Rocky posted. They're all yeah. Rico. And I forgot Joey. to mention, we got to go, uh, yeah, we got to go sturgeon slash striper fishing with Rocky after we finished we our uh, turkey tag we, yeah we had a big a day and a half productive of, weekend he said yeah if you can if you can get that turkey early on sunday let's go you know let's go fishing and i guess he knew you were going to do it because he had already before we even confirmed with him he had already bought all the loaded up everything and then yeah when i texted him the picture of it and said we're done it was noon time and it was perfect yeah, yeah clean up weekend. go over there get a little uh, gas station chicken Hit the boat. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. I mean, not to change subjects, but, you know, one of those river boats going up a river. If you're not from, you know, we grew up around lakes and stuff. And one thing to be on a boat on a lake, be on a boat on a rivers. It's its its own thing, man. It's kind of oh, sketchy. Yeah. And then we but fished till midnight or something like that. Sure. So when we're coming back down river in the dark, and I mean, he's, you know, he, I don't know. He said there's sections that you go through that it's inches deep, you know, it's, it's, just like our river, you know, you get spots that are deeper than others. And yeah, it was, I had a feeling he had been Rocky grew up born and raised in Durham. And then we, we uh, put the boat in around Calusa. And I think that's maybe whatever, 15 miles, 20 miles South, not very far, but you had a feeling that he'd been up that stretch of river. I'm sure it's triple digit times in his life. I mean, he was very familiar with it. Hey, you could see how he just bank out, he wasn't down the middle of the river. He'd bank just four or five feet this way. He just knew exactly the, the channels to go in. Yeah. Yeah. But that was actually, you know, you know how much of a fisher I'm not. And um, I've already told, I've told the turkey stories a few times today, but uh, I've told the sturgeon, you know, the 
I, I'd go do that again. Yeah. If I was prepared now, knowing what, what you're, you're in for, you're in for a little bit of nighttime hunting or fishing. It was cool. Yeah. Drinking some beers, the prospect, the prospect of catching of a 10 foot long fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we had a couple bites, you know, that he was, he was fairly certain was a sturgeon just by the way it bit. We just weren't able to. Yeah. I, I said three or four bites, right? They just didn't take the hook, but we also at least a half a dozen times saw a sturgeon come up and roll yeah, yeah. on the surface and, it and sounds like salmon. a whale coming up to the surface of the water. It's just awesome how you, yeah. you get a feeling that they're a huge fish. Buy one of those jet boats. We'll go. No, I'll just call Rocky. No, that's true. Just go Rocky. <laughs> no, I'll just drive over there. Yeah, I'll just drive over and talk to Rocky. So number one thing that, you know, just because I've told a few people, a lot of people don't think turkeys can fly. And I guess the butterball ones probably can't, right? I mean, they're, they're too fat by the time you... And locked up in a cage. And lo- well, yeah, but people raise them, let them walk around and shit. Maybe their wings are clipped. Uh, I, it's so funny you say that because we got back and Stephanie, who's Leith's wife, her mom um, came out when I got home or with my turkey. And she's like, oh, it's so pretty. And, the, you know, and, and God, it's crazy. They have such big wings and they can't fly. She said that. Yeah. And I'm like... What are you talking about? They fly up in trees and roost, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like you There would be no turkeys if they couldn't fly. They would just get <laughs> yeah. hammered. Well, that's what... And, you know, when we were fishing, one just flew across the river. You know, like it... it you know, they, they can fly. You know, yeah. They're like a... I guess you equate them kind of to like a chucker, which most people don't know either, which they can fly awesome, but they, they choose to run, run quite yeah. a bit. You know what I mean? And if they can get away from you on foot, then that's what they're going to do. I guess like a pheasant or, you know... A lot of birds like that, they'll run, you know. And but yeah, it's it's funny, you know. People, most people you talk to, they would never know that a turkey could fly, and it seems awkward because they're huge. And but you know, yeah, they. I'd say they could they get up pretty fast. I mean, it does to kind of remind you of a pheasant, yeah, probably yeah. even maybe a little faster. But I would I would think they have a better chance. I would think their main prey is obviously from above, you know, hawks and stuff like that, and they probably stand a better chance running on the ground. If they duck under something or get, Because once they start in flight, they're such a big bird and probably a little clumsy that those hawks will probably just pick them off. And, you know, at least the roost trees we were seeing, they're 25, 30, 40 feet tall. It's not like they're roosting in, you know, in the Ammons. They're in there eating eating them, but, yeah, they're up in the oak trees. And And that's another reason why we don't have a lot here. Not only do we have so many predators, we don't have very many trees. Right. So. And we don't have a lot of, we don't have the water and the river beds and stuff to support yeah. them. If you think about it, the only turkeys that I'm aware of, there's three spots I'm pretty sure, which is Mason Valley, yeah. Arrington, Lovelock, and Eastern over by right on the Utah border. Yeah, Paradise Valley has them too. I guess yeah, I don't love, know if you can them. hunt them there, but probably yeah, they were more planted up there. They're not real. Uh, no, I think they're wild. Really? Yeah, hmm. and they say their population's doing good out there, but they got a lot of water and a lot of tall trees. Yeah. And they're known for their mountain lions. I don't think they're eating turkeys. Maybe they are. <laughs> if they can get a hold of one, maybe. What? Uh, so who killed one first? Clint. Me. Yeah, so we went, our, our kind of breakdown as we went out, uh, we met up with our buddy Hank, and Hank had already sent us a quick video of 40 turkeys in, in this field, and they have a really good ratio. I, I would think it was two to one toms to to hens there are a lot of toms out there obviously i I just males you know probably a number of them jakes but a lot of gobblers and um so we already knew we were going to be on them and he had set a couple of uh, ground blinds up for us so that first morning we walked into the dark got in real quiet probably 300 yards from the roost trees and on our walk in yeah very vocal a lot of gobbles very very few hens but but a lot of gobbles and stuff so you're sneaking yourself in there and settling in in the dark, and then he actually was in a separate little blind, just a little bit of ways, and doing calling. the calling and stuff. And uh, did you? Just, I hunted one time with Hank too. Did you? And I hunted in the apple orchards. Did you? Hunt we went. In the so orchard? yeah. So we went well, walnut. So he's that property. <laughs> I has, didn't mean. I, I didn't mean apple. I meant yeah, nut orchards. Walnut, which we learned too. There was another one that looked just like walnuts, but they're actually prune trees. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, walnut. So it was interesting. So it didn't work out mon- uh, Saturday morning. We had a hen or two kind of skirt the decoys. One kind of just walked through, but the gobblers just hung on this edge. I think they got to 180 yards from us, and they were strutting and doing their thing, but they never – it's like they wanted to stay on the edge. They didn't want to come out into that orchard. And when we were done during the day, I talked to Rocky at some point in time, and the, right at the mention of the walnut orchard, he kind of shook his head, and he's like, man, I don't 
I don't know because the walnuts don't have there's no cover they're barren right now so it's just kind of like it's almost like you're in a wide open field and all of his grass and everything was mowed down and Hank, Hank, the mistake we made was when we got into that, that pop-up blind, um, we didn't want to make a lot of noise. And he had the type of, type of pop-up blind that was all zippers. And to close the door was going to make a lot of ruckus. So we didn't actually close our door to get in there. And the sun, they were on our east side and the sun, or no, they were on our west side. The sun's coming up. And he thinks that there was just a little bit of shadow activity because of that door being open a little bit and that's what made those toms not commit and it, and it was only yeah. open like a crack we're talking yeah. we're not it talking was, it wasn't like some big hole in the thing yeah. you're I, talking a one inch you know sure, zip we sure. pulled the bottom of it together yeah so that it, you know we just didn't want it was a big tooth zipper that we didn't want to hear because he told he had us load our guns chamber and all at the truck because he said you don't even want him to hear the action of your shotgun sure so to zip down a four foot big tooth zipper i you know and he said i should have told you guys we we didn't realize i mean and he's i mean he knows what he's doing for sure i'm not gonna disbelieve but i you know i i'd imagine with what happened the second morning which the second morning we had what ended up being six different jakes come into the decoys and they came like you wanted to come but they were just all jakes and i mean we got it you know we got a show and we got oh, we yeah. got footage and all that kind of stuff, but the toms still hung up on the second day with everything else being done the right way. So, you know, yeah. who, who knows? I imagine one little mistake like that. The one thing about turkeys that that you have to understand is their eyes are bigger than their brain, so they're a very visual animal. So I'd imagine anything that just kind of just makes them a little bit. They were, it's not like they're spooked. They were hanging around and stuff. Yeah. But to have them commit, they've got to have everything visually just right and. You know, maybe a combination of that and then just being out in that kind of more wide open field with those bare walnut trees. They were out there the day before, but for whatever reason, you know, with the calling and with some of the decoys, maybe they just shied away a little bit. But that didn't work out. We went to another ranch midday and um, right away found turkeys. And this one was cool because it had almond orchard and it had uh, converted from a rice field to winter wheat. And... In the tallest parts of the winter wheat, it was thigh high. In the shortest parts, it was, you know, mid-calf high. So it was really long, really green, lush grass. And we worked ourselves along a raised-up dike with a road on it. And um, these turkeys would strut around on the top of the road. They'd go down into the thick riparian area that he called the jungle, um, which was actually on the other guy's property. So he's kind of right on the edge of his property line. And... He would set. We'd we'd sneak in there. We would set ourselves up in the thick part of the grass, and um, he'd stay 30, 40 yards behind us and call. And after a half a dozen mm. different attempts of you know, they it, during the middle of the day weren't they weren't near as vocal. That was the other part of it. You know, you'd kind of wait for that gobble to come back. And and there was one time where they actually they were they were ahead of us and they shut up for a little while, and then you look back, and they're on the other side of Hank, back behind us. So they had walked past us, silent, and popped up on the other side. So it was just, we were just getting outsmarted by them. I and think I made the comment, we're, <laughs> we're, we're being outsmarted by a bird with a brain the size of a raisin. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what it was. 100 yards to the right, 50 yards to the left, 100 yards back, and, you know, it's like they were no, just bouncing all over. No when to be, I mean, they know when to be <laughs> vocal and what when not to be vocal, and... Um, and then it just finally, what potentially could have been kind of new, two new birds that had kind of worked into that group, because there was a bunch of turkeys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a big group of turkeys, um, which is kind of interesting, too. You know, we were we were discussing, you know, what was what was making them want to strut and what was making them, you know, if they were going to come into the decoys and were they going to be aggressive or was it more mating, you know, because they were in such large groups of toms. I mean, between the toms and jakes, you'd see you'd see a dozen, 15 birds all grouped together and with what looked like four or five hens. So, and and uh, they never fought, different. which was interesting to me. And I don't know if typically you would see that, but they would strut all around each other, you know, and have their fans out. And do, but you never was, saw them. It reminded me of like bat, like the bachelor buck type of season. You know, it's before rut and all that, and they're fine. And, you know, the deer are fine being around each other. And, 
you know, there's none of that be going right on. Now, right? I think those turkeys they would have been be full, full on. Be- so, you know, different areas of the country, but the weather, I mean, it was 80 degree temperatures, but I mean, do they I, know each other? Because I, right. The Jake's the exactly Jake's- what Hank said. He says, you know, these guys kind of start to get to know each other. Yeah. They know who's who. And so these new, these new hens and this, and this Jake that the, our setup was two standing one or two standing hens, a lay down hen and a standing Jake. That was kind of the setup. And so he's kind of, you know, I guess the theory is, is that obviously those, the toms that are, they've bred, they've bred the hens that they know that are there. And these are new hens. They're going to come out and investigate. And it just, it probably would have worked the third morning. I mean, we were there for two mornings. I mean, just two mornings. It didn't quite work out. We went from really no activity to six different jakes coming in and really going after it. And then you said they the third beat, morning, those toms might have been, all right, this is our morning. Who knows? We just didn't spend enough time they out beat, there. But. The Jakes beat the decoy up, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, so I that's mean, what I'm saying. So if those Jakes them. knew, like you're talking about, didn't fight each other because they all kind of know each other or whatever. But now who, who's that? Who's that joker over there? You know, yeah. they, we don't Which know that. Did, the, but you'd think one of those big toms would have been the one to do it. It's just, sure, it, it, yeah, sure. I don't know. And it could, it could have been. I know what ha- ended up happening the second day is out of the roost tree, the good amount of toms never showed up on our side of the of the jungle area. They went over into the into the Ammon orchard. Or it was yeah. Ammons, yeah. And they were over there going crazy. And but we never really saw a lot of those toms yeah. that second morning. So there was a couple of them, but you know, they they yeah, they were But yeah, that, that one of those Jakes, you know, we were saying cheap shot at that decoy, you know you know, does a little humping around on that lay down hand and then you just just kind of slowly walks over by that stand-up Jake and just kicks it, you know. Just spurred, spurred the, the fun, it, knocked it over. Yeah. What, like what I thought punch. was funny was, you know, they're on those, just like on a decoy stand. Yeah. One of them uh, humped the decoy off of the stake. So then it makes that noise, and now he got this upside down, but didn't care, stayed right in there. You know, the other one goes over there and kicks that one, and it makes, you know, plastic sound, you know, some sound that thing's never heard before. Still didn't care. Just stayed right on it. We had to kick the last Jake out of the decoy spread so we could get out of the blind. He was not going to leave. He, pardon my French, humped that laydown hen for 20 20, minutes probably. Like, he would go on it for a few minutes, and he'd get off and strut for a minute, get back on it. You know, pecking at its head. That's funny because, like you're saying, you know, (laughs) what Hank was saying, those load your gun and yeah. zipper this Which, and, the, yeah. and they're so smart when it comes to that and hearing and seeing that now they see an upside down plastic thing and like that's still not real yeah or i mean so, if that's still yeah. real for them to stay for an for an inexperienced <laughs> turkey hunter probably a good lesson just over the course of really a day and a half of hunting and stuff so i mean more experience you're gonna have you know form a much better uh opinion or you know what's going on but uh they can be very smart we learned that. I mean, yeah. they could be, I'm almost like, how are we getting this outsmarted by this bird? It doesn't seem to be all that smart. Because you see that kind of activity, and you go, oh, my God, you should be able to. I mean, it's like killing pigeons. What, but no, what, it's not. What Leith told me when we were back there hunting is in the in the mornings, when they fly out of the roost trees, they all kind of somewhat go together, basically. And they're all together, like probably what you saw, right? All the jakes and hens, there's 30 of them, maybe 20 of them, and a couple toms, and they're all hanging out. And some of those hens have already been bred. Some of them may not have been bred, and there's a little bit of competition. And you either get them first thing in the morning or not. But it's very successful to later in the afternoon into the evening, those toms are out looking singly by themselves trying to find another hen. They've kind of split up throughout the day, eating their little worms or little bugs, you know, because they, they constantly move. They don't sit like in a 58, you know, just 50-yard deal all day. They're constantly on the move. So they start to kind of break up into little groups, and then the toms kind of search out, and they oh, like these hens that I'm with have already been bred because I'm with them. So he's like, screw you. I'm out by myself looking for another hen. So... In the afternoon, if you can get a, a Tom to, to gobble, he says it's 95% dead because you set up and you Makes call sense. them, you call them as sing, you know, they're by themselves. So there's no competition. And those ones that are active in the afternoon, they are searching for a single hand. So good, good segue into your hunt. Your well, hunt. I was going to say also Rico, Rocky was telling us Rico, uh, his son, 
hiked like three miles off the river and you know started getting hot and tired and so he just set his decoys out and sat in the shade for a minute and you know called a couple times and then fell asleep and kind of woke up and you know said why is that decoy moving <laughs> and it was a tom in his freaking uh set the tom in his set he killed it you know so like you said afternoon you know it was like he said 11 11 30 something like that He's already walked around all morning, not got one. So he sits down to kind of take yeah. a break. And Leith, Leith will sit. He minimum will sit for an hour. Minimum. We sat we'll for a while, and that's you know it's interesting. It'd be interesting to get somebody who's very versed in eastern eastern birds and and then you know west coast birds and how similar are their behaviors between Rio Grandes and Merriams and all that. You know, under if they're wired exactly the same, yeah. if they're slightly different, you know, different behaviors being in a different. Mm-hmm. Different area of the country. Speaking of sitting for an hour, we brought our predator chairs. I don't know if oh. you brought yours. No, I didn't. Wasn't able to fly with it. <laughs> well, Dude, I could have, but I, I couldn't have done it without it. it I I it, went. It once. should be called a turkey chair. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's that good. I went one. <laughs> we did one stand or whatever you call it without it, and we didn't sit for very long because we there was like zero. But it was hard because we, I mean, when I say not for very long, you know, we were 25, 30 minutes. Well, that's when we, we, yeah, we sitting we, on the we ground. Snuck. We left them and was like, let's just take the guns, you know, because we had to basically kind of belly crawl and sneak. And it's like when we got there, we're like, man, I wish I had that chair. Right I know. It, it, for, it, it that, was, was, that was 15 minutes before I killed my turkey. Yeah. yeah that was yep. that stock. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a kind of cool. It was cool. I, I definitely want to do it again. I mean, it, any kind of hunting can be addictive. And when you have success, it's, it's even better. But. You know, to me, that traditional setting your decoys out and having the big tom come strutting in and mess yeah. up the decoys a little bit and shoot it strutting around is, you know, it, I that's what I want to do next time. But, I mean, we basically spotted and stalked my turkey, which is kind of cool. It just, it's, it's a different way of doing it, but with some calling and stuff. But it wasn't necessarily lured in. No decoy out because they wouldn't have been able to see the thing anyway. So he, they were coming to check out some hen activity, but it was more or less... Uh, sp- I'd, I'd put it in the sp- oh. spot and stock category. Yeah, like an ambush yeah. spot and stock kind yeah, of deal. That's what Leith, again, after my first morning hunt uh, back there, he, we can go, we can go, you know, I'll, I can take you right to the spot. You can kill him. We walk out, we can ambush him. You know, I know exactly where they're going to be. I said, no. That's you not, want to do traditional. That's not what kind. I want to do, sure. especially my first time. I want. I don't care if I don't get one. I'd rather do it correctly. In my mind, you know, I don't care how people hunt, but uh, traditionally set up decoys. Not and correctly, all, but just the way you Yeah, just the way it, in my it, mind you know, I think yeah. it should go. Yeah. And so he was like, all right, and I'm I'm with you. whatever I, you want to do, Hoss. I still have the desire to do that. You know, you yeah. have that work out that way, but there are other ways to kill turkeys, and they can, they can frustrate you um, just like any wild animal. <laughs> and, um, man, and I'd imagine – not thinking outside of the box you just have to be content with unless you had you know three or four more days to hunt and just kind of be patient and wait but if you're you got a weekend you're gonna have to switch up strategies to to harvest yeah no and that's what you know mine was very much like that too you know we we could see these turkeys and we watched them and watched them and watched them and then you know you slip in on them and you start calling and you can't freaking see them you know they're we I was laying in that grass. Hank was in the almonds. 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 <laughs> it's you're either call them an almond or an almond. I don't know. I'm somewhere in between. I know. What was it? How did you say that? I don't know. You I tried even, to say almond, but you kept the L in there. Almonds. Almonds. Ammon. What's it supposed to be? Ammon. Ammon. I said. I don't. I can't even. Do it again. <laughs> Rewind this on your uh, podcast. You can hear that again. That's not the way you say it. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, you know, we're calling, 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 and I'm laying there, you know, and Hank goes, shoot that son of a bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, who? You know, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? There was a turkey four feet away from me. You know what I mean? It had come through. It was coming to the call, coming to where the decoy was set up, but you just couldn't see him. And uh, uh, he comes in. Obviously, we bust him out. Clint's watching you know, from afar says, Hey, there was like six gobblers in this field or something like that. Yeah. And, and few good ones. And he had said, Hey, there's, there's one like 200 yards away from you guys, you know, and we could see him and we just snuck out there in the freaking grass. And he 
This is yours? Or yeah, his? mine. Oh, okay. He, he laid down and freaking, I walked right up on him. He had no clue. Killed him right there in the field. So different, you know, but the same, you know, you got to, yeah. had to improvise on a, on a midday uh, Sunday hunt. Yeah, that's and it was Easter Sunday, and Hank has has a family and kids and stuff, so we did start pressing a little bit. But uh, there was a there was a good chance, like you guys were talking about earlier, afternoon now or you know noontime later on, and it was definitely a it was a colder morning, but it was heating up that yeah. day, and um, that turkey seemed to be like you know you knew he was a gobbler, you knew he's a pretty decent gobbler, but how how big is he? Him being isolated, I think, is what convinced. Hank and, and us through through the knowledge that we learned from him that it was probably a pretty good one and it ended up being probably yeah. about as big of a turkey as you're going to kill at least in that area from what from what they're they're telling us I mean it's a what eleven inch beard yeah and thick not as thick as Alex's beard but thick twice mm-hmm. as thick as my beard my yeah. beard was just shy of ten inches and I thought a pretty good one but kind of thin and yours man it was amazing how thick that beard was on it big spurs yeah instead of a gobbler. So how about you? So well, I didn't the, hear that, about yours. You didn't really talk oh, about so no, no, no. Oh, I did. He must have been on his phone or something. No, I wasn't on my phone. But you, I no, mean, I, I, mine was a like I said, kind of an ambush, spot and stock. We, 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 uh, we went back and forth. We would we snuck into an area, belly crawled into an area, got hidden. Uh, Hank stayed behind us thirty yards and called and. The first time we saw turkeys when we were in our spot. Three jakes gobbled right at the same thing. They had just popped up over the ridge where we could see them, and they gobbled all three at the same time. So I would see. I wasn't sure if you actually saw them when they gobbled, but I know Hank didn't. So I bet you it sounded like the biggest gobbler yeah. ever because I mean they were literally like the exact same time, starting gobbling and ending. It sounded like one gobble, and it was all three of them going off at the same time. And uh, you know you could just see they were just all really young jakes. Two of them you couldn't even see their beard. It was they were so young that their their still beard had a horn on their nose, their feathers. But yeah, so after another four or five, you know, moving and trying to position ourselves, trying to see because they wouldn't, they weren't vocal all the time. And um, eventually we got down to a spot. They were calling. They uh, two of them came up over the ridge. One on the right was a good was a good gobbler, and I smoked him right there. And. Beard length, spur length, weight. Do you know any of that? I just said nine and three quarter inch beard. We didn't um, measure the spurs, did we? Or did my we? spurs were? I didn't actually measure them. I think they're what would they be? Half inch? Yeah, five eighths of an like inch. That. Yours are a little bigger than mine. Um, gosh, weight wise, are heavy. I don't know. I got non field dress. They got to be twenty five pounds. With all That's the feathers what somebody and asked me, them, how, how much they weigh? On my shoulder, they're pretty heavy. Yeah, they, I mean, I, they're definitely. Well, I mean, when you look at ours, I got my fan is awesome. That's probably the best part of mine is my fan's really pretty fan, and we laid his fan over the top of mine. They're the exact same size, so the birds, I'd imagine, get to a mature level, and their 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 body weight. I imagine the only thing that you know the the beard's going to thicken up a little bit, and the spurs are going to get longer the older they get. Mm-hmm. But um, the birds themselves were equally beautiful, you know, fully yeah, pinned yeah. out, equal fans. Um, yeah, they're big white heads. When you killed them? Yeah. So that was, they were gobbling. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gobbling, yeah. That's what was the other cool thing about it, too, is how they would, you know, you'd have this really red head off in the distance, as, and as they got closer and they gobbled, it was like an instant change to white and blue and then right yeah. back the other way. And, um, and the, Hank the, said it good. They're like all chameleons. bubbles on their throat, you know, yeah. get all freaking fat and red. And, yeah. yeah. They're, they're actually a really cool animal. Yeah, they I, really are. I yeah. mean. Well, they yeah. say they – quotations say that if turkeys could smell you would never kill them yeah that's how that's how actually smart even though their brains that smart or they wary they they are wary they are smart because of they had to you know tune into the senses that work for them and their sight and hearing just is is top notch and if if you they were like coyote smelling you would never Never kill them, they said. Or, or like a raven or, we, you know, something like that. We yeah. talked about they just live in perpetual fear, right? I mean, <laughs> they, they can get hit from the ground, hit from the air. Yeah. You know, they got minimal minimal defenses, and it's just, you know, you imagine it's just constant fear. Run around, eat, try not to get eaten by a hawk, try not to get got by a bobcat. Or you, can, you know, <laughs> no. so, yeah, they got And they're be, not necessarily 
blending in with their environment. Right. They're not camouflaged. No. So, yeah, they stick out. You can out. see them, especially they're strutting. You know, you can no, see that no. fan from 10 miles away, dude. And, uh, yeah, the bright red head or the white head or whatever. Yeah, they're 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 at a definite, definite disadvantage to the world. <laughs> Did you know just history-wise, uh, and I've known this for a while, but uh, Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be our national bird. Really? Before the eagle. That was his proposal. Obviously very common. I'm sure that was a main staple and food source since the pilgrims and stuff. But uh, I wonder where I the believe turkey it was shot down from. because of the, the brain. You know, they're just kind of considered to not be the old smartest animal. And they're not you know? tough, yeah. And I'm glad we chose the bald eagle. It seems to be a little bit more, yeah. Yeah, you, can you imagine the... <laughs> the Rio Grande turkey. The American turkey. The American flag. <laughs> yeah, old Ben Franklin, that's what what he proposed. No, there's they they're native to here. Are they? They're mm-hmm. they're native to here that we got we got ours and then we have the oscillated turkey in Mexico. So there's two different there's four different, I guess, subspecies here in America. You're the Rio Grande, Rio Grande the Miriam, Miriam Eastern, the Eastern Osceola. and the Osceola. That's the Grand Slam. And then the Royal Slam. Maybe that's Grand Slam. Royal Slam. I don't remember what it's called. I'm not Turkey Hunter. But and then they have the Oscillated Turkey. Which is the real bright colored one, right? Beaut- like almost peacock like color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's what's Aussie, called an Oscillated. Okay. Oscillated Turkey. And they're only down like the originated, I think, in the Yucatan Peninsula or something, Mexico or Yucatan, Mexico, whatever it is. And and uh, just gorgeous birds. So I, I, the next time we go to Mexico, that might be cool to hunt one of those. But Leith, being he's hunted them forever his whole life, being from Mississippi, he taught me a lot in a couple of days of hunting. I mean, just little things, and you yeah. know, like I, I said, feel, I feel like we all. I mean, we, you do that another, you know, another few times, you could learn pretty quick on turkeys. Oh, yeah. The the um, setup, like you were talking about, how many lay down hands. You know, two hens, three hens. Are you using a Jake? Are you using a big Tom to really piss off a Tom to come and beat him up? Because if you use a Jake, does that Tom really go, eh, yeah. he's not a big problem. Yeah. I don't really need to worry about him. He's not going to get any of my girls. He's just a little guy over there with a little old beard, you yeah. know, and uh, I don't need to worry about him. Or do you get that three-year-old that's a Tom or four-year-old that's Tom now, or and you does he get bowed up on a big old uh, Tom decoy, you know, and come over and fight him, or is it he gets uh, to that point? I'm a little, my, little I don't nervous. Get my butt kicked by that yeah, one. Yeah, he might be a little too big for me, so I'm just gonna. So there's all the little play, and that's like Kyle hunting with a sure. with a mojo and that decoy. Sometimes that decoy comes and it. I mean, they eat it, and sometimes they come around that corner and it kind of freaks them out. So remember the coyote decoy we put out. Yep. <laughs> but I'm just thinking too because we did have a Jekyll and Hyde with us, and uh, I did ask Hank about that, you know, what's your, what's your thought on that? And we didn't try it. So you kind of wonder those but first he kind two of said, were, I've seen it work, but I've never seen thing. it like, yeah, like they go crazy. It's never, it's not like a go-to thing. That's you crazy. Know? Cause but I've seen, same time, I've seen it just go sure. crazy. Well, and you know, with the two mornings we had, you wonder that third morning. Well, see, we Hank there. doesn't gobble. That's so, the other part of it. Yeah. He just hand calls, no gobbles. No, need, so. need just leave. Oh, uh-uh. Chad, yeah. Chad probably has just a lot of visual, and stuff. Just a visual, yeah. Just seeing a yeah. fan out there, that's probably all they go off yeah. of with their eyesight. You know, mm-hmm. they're just seeing that fan out there. And that, and maybe the fan and the, you know, the blue head or the red head or whatever, and that's going to make them make them. Mine, uh, case in point, mine, when he came in, we had single lay down and the mojo scoot and shoot out there. Um, the cool thing about the scoot and shoot is you can take their fan off and put on a real fan and they the, the the feather the wings are removable too and you can put on if you get those off them and get them to a point you can actually put those on the scoot and shoot too and make it all real live feathers like a taxidermied feather almost you know or decoy but so we just had the fan and we changed that out and he the one i killed came right around the hen and right to he didn't even care about the hen it's not like he came in looking to he was breed, looking to fight. He was looking to fight. He went right around the hen and straight to the to the mojo. And he was how big? Twenty four pounds. So he was big, mature. Big. Oh, he, you said he, an eight or nine inch beard. Nine inch beard <laughs> and inch and a quarter spurs. 
Big old spur. Big, he's beautiful. So inch big. spur. Yeah. Did one you get him mounted? Sure. No, I I could have kept him back there, but I I brought the fan back, the spurs back, the beard back, and a bunch of feathers to tie flies with, and then um, Leith is freezing and then dry icing me the meat. That stings because we got. We got our turkey breasts out in the cooler right now. We're not ready to vacuum. <laughs> Gonna seal use them. that vacuum sealer when we get down here. <laughs> I saw. Uh, uh, did you eat some of that turkey that I saw on Chad's Instagram story? It was like fried. It was uh, no, seasoned that was flour at, and provided. That was, that was at the Jack Daniels distillery. The one of the ones they killed. It looked good, man. I was That's curious really to know if you got some of that. Yeah, I've had it nuggets before. That's what I'm going to do with mine. I was curious though with that provider rub. You know. Yeah. He put that. Those uh, uh, the shish kebab things look pretty good too. Yeah, yeah bacon wrapped anything is delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so mine uh, Saturday opening morning after we did a benefit concert uh, Friday night at Leapers Fork Distillery. Unbelievable place, and uh, we went there and, and raised a lot of money for Drake White and his wife's foundation. Drake, it's called the Drake White and the Big Fire fund and it's for brain injury awareness brain injuries stuff that he had he had abm and you know had a big basic massive stroke on stage a couple years ago and has been struggling to get back and he's doing awesome actually he wasn't even there friday night his wife alex was but he just happened to the first time since the injury it was kind of of a weird uh 360 is it, the first time he ever got back on stage was the night of his benefit concert that we were doing for him. And he had uh, planned his before he knew about our deal. And so he couldn't come to our deal to raise money for his deal, but his wife was there. And it was uh, the same day that he got back on the first time since the deal. So it was mm-hmm. kind of cool. So he's, he's to, you know, can sing and just like he used to and um, still has a little bit of hand control can't play the guitar as good as he used to but he's it's amazing his uh comeback he he fell on stage and with 28 minutes they had he did it in virginia roanoke maybe anyway the doc one of the the hospital there is like the leading brain injury hospital in america and the doctor there was very up or maybe even invented or knew exactly what was going on and was like a leading doctor in exactly what Drake had. And so by the uh, 28 minutes from the time he fell on stage to the time he was under the knife and had, had all the brain, uh, the blood and stuff off of his brain, 28 minutes, Wow, which pretty much saved his life and any further damage saved his function. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) and then, his his wife had some issues is uh got a got an autoimmune deal just out of nowhere her kind of legs legs went numb and and uh anyway she's 35 and she's she's made a good recovery and we raised $19,280 in one night at Damn. this deal we had sweet tea trio come play we had um Tim Montana and his people come play. Bobby Johnson and Leith Lofton played. Um, and then Trent Tillman told, yeah, came and played. Look him up. He's <laughs> unbelievable how many songs he has. Um, and then Riley Green came and played. And we had Realtree there. We had um, Honey Break there. We had a whole bunch of our partners there. And it was awesome and raised a bunch of money and went to their fund and hopefully – you know, obviously it'll go to good use, but that was a fun night and we didn't get home till one or two back up at four the next morning because it's mm-hmm. opening turkey season. And uh, so we set up and first thing, excuse me, out of the, and uh, we were hunting a 1300 acre property and we, me and Leith set up on part of it and our buddy Drew Keith um, and the guy who was showing us around this property took him took drew on another part of the property and first off we heard a gobble but it was kind of far away and it was ended up being on the other neighbor's property that we didn't have permission on and it got further and further away and then it stopped and that was basically our morning we didn't have any luck no action no nothing 
finally met up with Drew and Trace on the other part, and they uh, first in the morning they heard it. They went around, got in front of these, uh, and called in five toms and doubled on the same stand. Doubled, no way, two big old toms. And we walked over, and like, oh, damn, that's <laughs> I guess that's pretty easy. <laughs> so it's always uh, that easy. <laughs> I was like, well, damn, I wish I would have went on that side of the property, but it ended up working awesome because uh, Saturday night nothing we i mean we so we had a bunch of acreage to walk on after that because leith was like this is what we do in the afternoon after the morning if you don't get them first thing in the morning you let them kind of chill out in mid-morning and then that afternoon you just walk and call walk and call until you try to see if one will light up and then if they light up you kind of get in on them and it's pretty much over because they're a big tom or a tom in search like i said in search of wanting to do something and so we walked for five miles, six miles on this 1300 acre property. Cause you can't drive around, right? Cause you scare them. Walk and call, walk and call and, and up and down these hollers and heels, you know, and, uh, nothing, not one sound all afternoon, all evening. I'm like, Oh God. So anyway, then Sunday ended up being obviously Easter. So Leith and his wife and family all went to church Easter morning and they got home 10 or 11 o'clock. Then we drove out, um, about an hour from Nashville and Leith knew this property and we, we parked the truck, got ready, walked in about a mile and on the way in, we scared out a hen and it ran and I was like, oh man, there goes our chance. He's like, I don't worry about a hog, you know, they ain't mad at nothing, hog. And, uh, so we started walking up this hill and we, right before we crested the hill, not 50 yards from us. Just one without us even calling. So he was out there just searching and he just hammers a gobble. I mean, it seemed like it was five feet away. Just kind of rattled the trees. You know, you're just, oh man, it's right here. So we wanted to get a little bit further where he wanted to set up before we sat down and started calling and stuff, get cameras set up and all that stuff. But when he rattled that close, He's like, oh, 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 oh. He, he, he's like little kid. He's, you can just see how much love he has for turkey hunting. He's excited. Every On the way out there, we've seen some gobblers, you know, in other people's field driving out. And he almost wrecked the car like, oh, I got to get permission on that property house, you know. <laughs> he was like Bubba with mesquite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, we, we get to the setup and it was where we were on a road. I would, it wasn't really a road. It was just a clearing that he had used Uh as a road on the property and set up the single hand lay down hand and that scoot and shoot mojo facing the hand away from us and really the only spot we could get we we're about 12 yards we were 12 yards i marked it off 12 yards from the mojo we sat down right in a briar patch. I mean, just stickers, all vines, and just you're just like, oh. And I was not comfortable. And I was moving around. He's like, oh, oh you can't move like that with these turkeys. And so I tried it. He's like, just get comfortable. And before I started, just get comfortable. So I got a couple cameras set up for me. At, I don't know. I gave a big uh, camera to Leith. I don't know what <laughs> is on it. I haven't seen it yet. It's probably not very good. He was all excited. Um, and then I actually had my girlfriend, Nicole, with me, too. She was walking around. She had never been hunting. She'd never been in camo and done nothing. And and uh, she said she would have wanted to come out. I said, yeah, whatever. And so she sat next to Leith, and I was about five yards from him, just up a little bit from him, um, kind of more to the side. But he was calling, and the one that we heard rattle, you know, 50 yards from us started doing again, but further away. So we're like, oh, man, we scared him, you know. And as he, as he was going away, we heard another one off to our left about the same distance. And he goes, we're going to kill that one. He said, we'll just sit here. We're going to kill that one. And uh, I said, oh, okay. And I couldn't see much where because we backed down off the crest of the hill a little bit. So we could see to the decoys and maybe another six yards past it. And that's where it crested. And then we couldn't see past that down this road so he obviously he could have came through the timber but we were thinking he would come down this clearing um and he would he said to nicole he goes when i when i chirp you know and do these little scratches you 
scratch the leaves with your hands. And so I guess, you know, them, they, that's, they clear in the timber, there's a, just a bunch of dead growth and leaves and a whole bunch of stuff on the ground. So that all day long when they're searching, eating their bugs, they just constantly scratch sure. and move the leaves and looking for bugs and scratching and scratching and scratching. And so he said, when I do this, just, just keep scratching the leaves, keep scratching the leaves. And okay. And then from the time we sat down to the time I killed him, 17 minutes. But about the 15, 16 minute mark, Nicole told Lee, I, I hear something walking. And he's like, what? I hear something walking. And he's like, all right. And then 30 seconds, get your gun up. I see his head. And he come and running down that road. And he bowed up right around the hen. And he come to the, the mojo all bowed up. And I, in my mind, I was like, this is exactly what I want. I want him to beat the decoy. But I'm like, well, if he jumps up and beats it and it falls over or something and he runs off, I'm going to screw up my first turkey on ever. It'll be cool. But I was just like, all right, I'm going to kill him before he does anything. But he was all bowed up right next to it like he was just about to pump, you mm-hmm. know, pounce on it. And he said, shoot him, hoss. And <laughs> 12 steps. And mm-hmm. it was over. I shot him right in the head. I mean, it was, it, was, it was unbelievable. So like what you were saying earlier on in this podcast, I really didn't get a chance to get nervous and have yeah, operator so air fast, yeah. because he, I couldn't see him running from a long time away. He was there. And by the time, cause I didn't hear Nicole say I could hear him running. She was just talking real soft to leave. And then all I heard was get your gun up boss. I see it's white head. Hmm. And by that time it was 15 seconds by the time, you know, 20 seconds until I shot him. So I didn't get a chance to get nervous. Um, but afterwards I was just like, shaking you know i was just like holy crap that was awesome and so i i can imagine or i can see how people can get addicted to that because it is really cool it's kind of like turkey or coyote you know instead of driving and and walking out you're just walking and setting up and calling um almost like if you were to locate a coyote every time if you did a howl they would howl you know and you could then sit up and call basically it's that right you howl to a coyote you'd hear him you sit up and call him in but just turkey hunting if and walking around and calling to him. And I love animals you can call. So I can see how you can get addicted to it for I sure. I think the bull, bull elk guys, you know, especially during the, the rut. rut which, calling you, them you, in. There are a lot of similarities there too. You know, you'd be able to move and listen and find out which one's the satellite bull and which one's the herd bull and all that kind of stuff. It's got that. And then what I liked about it too is, I guess, kind of like antelope hunting. Like you're going to see them, at least where we were at. You know, it was kind of, it was, it was exciting to know that, yeah. We can hear them, and in the dark we couldn't see them, but pretty soon you could see them, so you know they're around. Yeah. Versus like your afternoon clay, where you're like, we'll just sit down and call, and maybe, and you know, you, you can't help but get a little bit bored. frustrated and bored a little bit because you're you're thinking there's nothing around here. So I like the idea that you know you know there's turkeys on the property minimum. Plus, I just heard them in the roost tree 300 yards away, so it's just a matter of time before they get here. Yeah. The, uh, it seems like the land is the big key. You know what I mean? It would be, I, I know it would be very difficult to get one in, in where we were if you didn't have a guy that could take yeah. you on. Number one, they're mostly private property, but you got to have tall trees and, you know, you got to have certain elements to your property to have turkey on them. And I don't know, you know. Which um, would be what? So tall trees. Some kind of, a some, cre- you know. Some that jungle maybe area. Maybe not a creek bottom, but yeah, whatever you call it. That, that, yeah, that what he was calling the so right area Lee jungle. Said and, that and then field. He uh, filled. Yeah. Especially for the, for the toms because it's not necessarily they like to be out in the open, but they go out in the open to strut for the women to see. Mm-hmm. They show don't, off they, the feathers. They, yeah, they, say, they just get like out there and show off yeah. and then, you know, go out back in the woods and eat during the day and then come back out in the evening strutting again. Yeah. And so that was cool to learn from Leith and yeah. water and roost trees obviously but you need that mixture of water trees and then those open fields kind of um for them to do their deal but the the worst thing about my hunt there is a worst thing is i got back we got back to lee's house and i was sitting with my hand like this on my face and talking telling stephanie and stacy's his wife and mother-in-law at the house telling them the story and I see this little bug running across my hand and I look and it's a freaking tick uh, and I go 
Leith, is that a tick? And he goes, yeah, Hoss, don't worry about it. I said, you just had Rocky spotted rock or whatever, the Rocky mountain mountain fever, spotted mountain fever, whatever it's called, last year. And you got really sick. How am I not supposed to worry about it? Yeah, they don't do it. Anyway, so there's tiny, tiny little one. And so I, right there, I just strip. Clothes off. Yeah. I have. Start itching everywhere. Oh, every, he goes, you won't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> I have three more little ones rolling around on me. I take my back. They look, there's one already big blood infested one already stubbed into my back eaten. You no. know, he's already burrowed into me. Lee so. takes his uh, shirt off. He had one burrowed into his just under his uh, chest line. Uh, Nicole didn't have any on her. I don't know. You check her over. She ain't got that sweet. <laughs> check <in> her <laughs> for ticks. Um, Moral of the story: Don't lay in a briar patch. Briar in. He said more than likely, um, I had a lot on me because I carried the turkey, carried the bird, yeah, and I carried it over my shoulder, and they came out of him when he died, you know, and and then got on me, but. I checked myself over and she checked myself over. And then I played Brad Paisley's song ticks for her. And I mm-hmm. said, listen to this. And then you got to do it again. <laughs> our, our parallel we, story was after our first morning hunt. Um, we got on a ditch line and there were some wood ducks in there and some mallards and stuff. And so we were sitting there talking, kind of getting our plan for the afternoon. And Alex started kind of walking across a little bit and asked a comment like, you know, what, what kind of trees are these back in here? There's all these big old oak trees. And, so he said, yeah, those are oak trees, those are, and that's poison oak, so don't go over there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like everywhere on those properties. This stuff is everywhere. It's like the briar out there. And what was it, blackberry bushes? Yep. And that's, the, I thorned guess, the, bri- the briar, bushes. yeah, the briar patches in California are, are thorned blackberry bushes, and they're out there. Real they're real bad. They're the thorns, and then the uh, muscadine vine. You hear that, you know, muscadine wine. wine. Yeah. It's muscadine grapes that grow wild yeah. out there. And that's muscadine wine that they make out of there. But we so, had mosquitoes, ants. Ugh. But the mosquitoes, to tell you the truth, <sighs> I was expecting a lot worse I was, on the we mosquitoes. Bought, you know, we we purposely bought bug spray to go because uh Hank. Uh no, we were there I guess we were fishing, Chad and I and, and turkey hunting, and they were really, really, really bad. And also your with the duck eggs. You know, and the duck egg yeah. thing. Remember when we banded those ducks, how bad they were? And at Rock's house, he's got some certain tree. There must have been 400 million of them on it, dude. It looked like, it, it sounded like a pick jet. You, pick you up and lift you off and fly yeah. you away. But I, we didn't get too bad on that. Clint did sit in an anthill. I, I was just kind of thinking, it's almost kind of sad. I mean, the reason I will never probably get addicted to turkey hunting is because we, we can't do it here. And, I mean, it's one thing to go over and... Yeah. Hunt, you know, in California. And, I wouldn't uh, mind it, making an annual trip. Yeah, I mean, you know? like once a year. That's what yeah. I mean. Is yep. it, you're not going to get addicted going once a year. I mean, and you can only kill. You can kill two there. Two you can there, kill three think, there. Oh, one a day, three in. Uh, a year. One a day, one in possession, or whatever it is. Two, you know? I thought it was one a day, two in possession. Three for the or, season. That's yeah, what it is. Three for the season. One a day, two in possession, three for the season. Same, so in, you, same there in yeah. Tennessee. So, I mean, yeah, you, we could go back and you could, but. But the people One, back two, there, yeah. like like Tyler Jordan with Realtree, they start in Florida when it opens up like March 1st or March 15th, real early. Yeah. So they'll make a run, you know, there, Alabama, Georgia, and they'll hit all 15 of those southern states and kill them in every state. And they're, Different. Yeah. You know, they're, they're in a place where you can drive to, you know, like you said, what we got California. <laughs> you'll never draw a tag in Nevada when you do. Who knows? You got turkeys in Idaho, I imagine, but still, you're, you know, that's an eight-hour drive. You're yes. just we don't have the opportunity over here like those guys have over there because yeah, they're they're eating up with it. Most of those, I remember I told Clint I saw a guy in the WTF. He had a necklace of spurs around there. He must have killed fifty turkeys yeah. in his life or the more. Danny, maybe any more of turkey hunting. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just you know <laughs> that's what you were talking tags. I was a uh, when I we were coming back to the truck with my turkey. I made a comment. I said, "So do I don't have to put my." put my tag on on the bird i can just have in my pocket he's like you know there's no tags for him i'm like yeah i just you're in that you're in that mode you buy an upland game stamp in in california that's what's different it's different in in tennessee you have to have a tag not tag. you have to buy a license a tag and you have to check it in afterwards and uh you can do it phone or they have an app shit what take a picture of the spur or something no it's check in and it's you have to give them your location. Oh, and let them know you got one. Harvest it and and all all the information on it um, before you can kill your next one. But 
uh, it's considered big game. Hmm. You have to buy a big game license. Georgia, I looked up that too. For California, <laughs> that was very liberal of them, which is their MO anyway. But yeah, it's $51 for a two-day hunt license and 10 something for the Upland game stamp, and that's all you need. Tennessee, the only thing they had was a seven-day, and it was like 217 bucks or uh, something. And, turkeys uh, can get expensive. But... That's like but lo- for, that's a lobster tag. But for uh, locals, it's yeah, it's nothing. It's you know real cheap for locals. But no, it was fun. I mean, I would do it. I and and you know, just like any other hunt hunt camp, you know, hanging out with cool dudes and yeah. you know, doing the stuff. But um, any hunting's fun. I could do it. I could do it again for sure. Especially yeah, I, if I, I like the idea of a once a year. Kind especially of learning the calls because we yeah. uh, the grind calls that we use. Uh, it's called the, the, the grind and, uh, I got pretty good on them and, and obviously, you know, using diaphragm sometimes with coyote hunting and just being able to do certain things like that and hearing Leith do it and watching him do it. It's not hard to yeah. kind of make those sounds. Um, but I guess there is a technique to it because sure. timing, There's yeah, timing, timing, when to do it, how to much it. to do it. You know, he would, he would play off the birds. Like if it it was, it wasn't necessarily gobbles, but there was, I'm trying to think of what the, what pre preempted it. But at some point he'd do that, you know, cause it was really a lot of soft clucks. And then then that, you know, that one right there, man, a lot of times them gobblers would just go crazy. And that's when they're cutting, it's cutting, they call it cutting. And and that, I guess Leith was saying it's more the hens getting pissed off at each other than them calling to the yeah. to the them and they'll start yelling at each other the hens and that's what the cutting is that that real fast yeah. cut yeah. and that's the the now that's what gets the tom fired up is them fighting over each other basically and um and so this listening to Leith and, and doing it with him and we would drive down the road and he's like all right do this with your you know tongue and roll it like this and you got to flutter your uvula and do this for this and that and so i got pretty good calling but then we, we got to work on when to do it but i gave him some of the grind calls and he was like man hoss dang these are some of the best calls i've ever had you know and so he was really cool they i killed mine with using the purple pain off off of purple rain pretty cool and the red poison they have they have a couple of the diaphragm calls is that like brett michaels poison <laughs> maybe i don't know but it worked i mean we it was awesome i i thought i was gonna at least like if we don't kill one here tonight we got to drive back an hour and a half and then i was leaving the next day which it was yesterday monday and at four o'clock he's like well we got to drive back out here it's the only other place i got we could try to get in the morning mm. And so it would have been, you know, six hours of driving in, in a lot of, you know, short period of time. Really so I was very thankful. We got there and I killed him in, you know, 45 minutes after the time we got out of the truck, walked to the spot, killed him in 17 minutes, took pictures, back in the truck, back home, eating dinner and with the family. And it was, it was really cool. We got to, uh, we got to take care of our meat right now, actually. That's been on, going been on ice, going to clean it up, vacuum We're going to use meat, exclamation. Meat! Mark to maker. seal up the meat. Yeah, seal up the meat. Meat products to seal up the meat. I per- possibly might even take one of those breasts and not even, just, you know, clean it up, but not even do it. and Keep it no fresh. use because I'm going to eat it. Smoke it. I'm going to eat it this week. Smoke That's it. what I think. Smoke I'm going to make sure it's mine. Smoke it on the Traeger. Then thinly slice or nuggets and fry it. I figured one. The nuggets fried look good, but I looked up a little Traeger uh, uh, jerky recipe today, and, and they, they say it's actually easier to cut if it's partially frozen. So I'm going to freeze both of mine, then I'm going to do jerky. I want to do the fried nuggets, but I, I just don't cook enough, and I, I'm not going to get a chance to eat, and nobody in my family is going to so want to eat it. So if I invite it. you out, if I do the nuggets, you're, you'll come? If depends if it's like a Tuesday night. <laughs> okay, so we have to get back to work now. We get back to work, but now we got to get to our tags, putting in for our tags. We have to do that too. Putting in for our tags. When I say back to work, I mean we had to take care of that meat. Meat. Check. It's not done. The trip is not Who done yet. Who else has killed one out there? Anybody kill one? Send us your pictures. Send us your pictures. Man, the pictures are... That's practically worth it too. That's yeah. all you need, right? That picture 
slap myself on my back, but that picture of Alex underneath that almond tree. <laughs> and that, so what we're going to do is we didn't get, save either of ours to mount either, but we got the beard fan spurs. And then Clint is gracious enough going to uh, boil our skulls. And then Ooh. we were going to ask Clay, and I know the answer is yes. He's going to ni- make us a nice state of California wood piece. And then it's going to have the fan, beard, skull, empty shell. Spent shell, yeah. Uh, you know, a little, little European-ish mount. So you're mm-hmm. on the hook for the uh, wood board. You heard it here first. All right. Too bad it's California. But, oh, well. <laughs> Northern California. You put half of Nevada and half of California, but make it more look like Nevada-ish. <laughs> What is it? What's the deal with uh, Oregon? What do they call that? Um, An autonomous zone? Uh, no, the, the the push to turn it into a different state. Oh, uh, uh, Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah, the Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. We'll make our free own zone Cal- or whatever. California. Well, they, Northern California. They just want to Jefferson call it State. Jefferson State. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? It's like yeah, it's they want to break off the union or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. we can make I, our own. Yeah. What should we call Annex? it? Annex. Where the pavement ends, um, annex of Northern California, <laughs> yeah. Chico area over to Reno. Western Nevada. Chico up to Cedarville. Western, Western, Northern, Northern Nevada. Yeah. Well, I'm happy with two things. First turkey. First turkey. And the prospect of that mount. I think that's going to be cool. Yeah, I got to figure out. I've never made it to California yet, so I'll have to. do some work on that that burdens on you all right all right well send us your turkey pictures thank you for uh listening to another episode of where the pavement ends brought to you by good old federal we used it it worked paired up with that rob roberts we used a 660 try the other one see which one you like the best go out pattern your shotgun and uh clay possibly gonna go get another one if he does we'll be right back here to discuss it if not then we won't <laughs> <laughs> See ya. See ya. But I'm still down on Southern and I don't need nothing, just enough to get me by. I was raised in an early age when you shake a man's hand, looking square in the eye. I'm real cool, old school, don't lie to me, fool. Ain't a thing about me fake. I'm a modern day John Wayne with my daddy's last name, born 50 years too late.